Welcome to Trusting Children podcast, episode four. I'm Aisha, I'm a mom, I have three young children, and I'm a bit of a child development geek. I started this podcast to share what I have learned and help parents respectfully navigate the confusing moments of parenthood. Thank you for taking the time today to tune in and listen to the show. We all want to spend quality time with our children, but what does that really mean? If you're looking for some easy and meaningful ways of connecting with your kids, then this episode is for you. Parents are so busy and have so much to do these days, and it's easy for the parental guilt to kick in, worrying that we aren't spending enough quality time with our children. In this episode, we will look at different ways we can spend quality time with our children and how to build it into our busy days. By the end of this episode, you will have an idea and possibly a plan on what you can do to create time for quality connection with your children and also how to respond when you don't have time for them right that second. Hi everyone, I hope you've had a good week. This morning, I woke up about an hour before my children. I immediately had a list of things I could do and achieve running through my head. I'd remembered reading about all these amazing women who wake up at 4 or 5am to get all their work done before the kids wake up and thought, yes, I finally managed this. <laughs> but instead, I decided to just lay there in the silence, in the dark. Being in bed is one of my favourite things to do. I love being in bed and I don't really get to just lie in bed very often anymore. So this morning I did nothing. I wasn't productive. I didn't achieve anything. But for those 40 peaceful minutes early this morning, I felt happy laying on my daughter's mattress with my feet sticking out of the bottom and a duvet that was too short. I felt happy. I was in bed with no agenda, no one rushing me, no one climbing on my head. And it made me think about all the little things that we can do to make ourselves happy. What little things make you happy? Let me know. So let's talk about quality time. We read about this in parenting magazines, articles, books. We hear about it from friends and family and advisors or other parents. But what does spending quality time actually mean? And what does it look like for our children? I'm going to start off by saying that there is no one formula that will fit everyone. This is so personal and will be different for each family. We all have different family dynamics, different routines and habits. We all have different temperaments, characters and needs, and our children do too. So you have to take what you hear in this episode and adapt it to your family, like every other episode really. I'll give you lots of examples and you can then decide what to implement and how to do it. So what is quality time? For our children, it is time when we can give them our full, undivided, unhurried attention. We all have many things that need to be done every day. But if we can make an effort to carve out some time where we give our children 100% of our full attention, and that's with no distractions, no phones, no television, it satisfies their need for connection. I'm sure you have come across the cup analogy. When we spend time with our children, we fill their emotional cup. 
their cup of connection, their cup of love and security. They feel seen, heard, valued and respected. When we can put away our devices and focus on them, the message we are giving them during this time is, you are the most important person to me right now. Nothing else will keep me from you. And it is such an important message for our children to receive daily. Imagine trying to have a conversation with your friend or your partner while they are just scrolling or tapping away on their phone. They might be responding to your questions, but you know that they're not giving you their full attention. Children feel the same way, and they sense when your mind and heart are somewhere else. Connection with a loving caregiver is one of the fundamental needs that children crave. We could say that everything they do is related to how connected they feel to their loving carer. When we are distracted doing something half-heartedly, it sends them a very different message. I have things to do that are more important than you. Now, before your parental guilt starts kicking in, I'm quickly going to say that I'm not talking about giving your children 100% of attention every single minute that you are with them. That's not realistic. It isn't humanly possible. We do have things to do that are also important. But the first step is being aware of this, keeping it in your mind. If you know you've been busy all day, make an effort to spend some undistracted time with your child. Or if you know that you'll be going out for a big chunk of the day, give them some undivided attention before you leave. It really doesn't have to be long. Even five to ten minutes can make a huge difference. Five to ten minutes a day is enough to reassure your child that they are important to you. If they can feel this every day, even for a short time, it will help them feel calmer about their connection to you and their relationship with you. They will feel that they are loved and important. And if you need to, plan it into your day. I sometimes do. If I know I'm going out for the day, I will make sure I spend some quality time with them before. It makes the separation much easier. And they are usually in an overall better mood. And I am too. I feel less guilty about going out. And I know that we have all filled our metaphorical cups. The quality over quantity equation is so true in this case. A small amount of full attention is so much more valuable than a whole day of half attention. Because for that whole day, they feel like they're not as important as all these other things. Whilst even if it's five to ten minutes, they will feel like they are the most important thing to you for that time. Magda Gerber says, If you pay half attention all the time, that's never full attention. I'm going to talk about two concepts now that will hopefully give you an easy-to-follow framework and also put your mind at ease if you're panicking and thinking, okay, but how do I do it? The first one is quality time as defined by Rye and the second one is the Waldorf concept of an inhale-exhale rhythm. Now, don't worry if you haven't heard of these. I'm going to explain them both to you now. RIE stands for Resources for Infant Educarers. Magda Gerber, the founder of the RIE method, distinguished two types of quality time that we could spend with our children. And she called them Wants Something Quality Time, or WSQT, and Wants Nothing Quality Time, or WNQT. Wants Something Quality Time is when there is a specific purpose or task that you need to complete together with your child. 
And this is where the Rye philosophy was so unusual, but also eye-opening and mind-blowing for me. All caregiving activities fall under this want-something quality time umbrella. This means that doing things like nappy changes, dressing, feeding, washing, bathing, brushing hair or teeth, bedtime, etc., these all are quality time. Think about how many times in your child's life you will change their nappy or feed them. Thousands. It's the perfect opportunity to slow down and really connect with your child. Instead of trying to rush through these activities and get them over and done with as quickly as we can, think of it as a deeply intimate and personal time that you are spending together. Involve them in the process, talk them through what's happening and really connect. Magda Gerber herself says, Seeing caregiving tasks as quality time will give your baby the feeling that you enjoy the time you spend together, which will make her feel valued. Savor the process. Let's imagine two scenarios. Say you rush through a nappy change, get it done in under two minutes, score. You put your baby on the mat and they start fussing. So you start frantically searching around the house for toys, waving at your baby. Here, play with this, look at this. They might be interested for a while. And then you need to think of another thing to entertain your baby or do with your baby. In contrast, imagine you put your baby on the changing table. You play peekaboo before you take their nappy off. You talk to them about how you're going to change them and listen to them talking back. You give them a little massage while you sing or talk. The nappy change takes 15 or 20 minutes. Then you lay your baby down on a mat with a book or a rattle and they play for a few minutes. Their cup has been filled. You don't need to run around looking for ways to spend quality time. You have already done it. Now, I am aware that it's never as clear-cut as this. Babies are not a formula, they are human. But you get the idea. The point is, if we turn caregiving activities into quality time, we don't have to go searching for other ways of finding it. And if all your caregiving activities are spent this way, then you know that your child has had plenty of quality time with you that day, even if you don't manage to do anything else. The other type of quality time Magda Gerber talked about is wants-nothing quality time, WNQT. This is when you have no agenda, goals or plans during the time you are together. The only thing that you want during this time is to be with your child. You are there with them and you follow their lead. This is an ideal time for observations. I talk about observations in episode 1. If you'd like more information about them, you can go and listen to it. The important thing to remember is you have no agenda, you follow their lead completely. It's their time, their play. You can watch them and listen to them, soaking up every little moment. Your child might want to involve you in their play, or they might play independently near you. Don't underestimate the importance of you being there with them, even though they might seem occupied with something else. Resist the temptation to look at your phone or go grab yourself a drink. You can prepare your drink beforehand. They will sense your attention shifting to something else or if you leave. Playing on their own in your presence builds an important foundation of security and connection in order for them to become independent in the future. I'm going to give you another Magda Gerber quote here because it's so important to have this type of time with them as well. She says, 
It is very comforting for him, the child, to know you are there, really there, without any pressure to have to do something to keep your attention. You might be watching your baby while they play on a mat, or you might be engaging in some play with your toddler. Remember that whatever it is that they are doing, they are leading. As with everything, I would recommend that you use these as guidance and not some fixated rules. Caregiving activities with older children will look very different to those with babies. With toddlers, you can be more active or play games. My kids love to run away while I chase them when I'm trying to put their pyjamas on. With my four-year-old, I'll sometimes sit by her wardrobe and we talk about what outfits she's going to choose and why and what she wants to wear. If we're cooking or baking something together, that is quality time. If we're arranging the room or deciding which toys to get out, that is quality time. If she's helping me to pack the bag for a day out with snacks and water for her and her brothers, that is quality time. When you really think about it, you probably spend so much quality time with your children already, you might just not be aware of it. Okay, a quick test now. Can you remember what the two different types of quality time were called? I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to repeat them because it doesn't matter what they're called. You don't need to worry about that. What you need to remember is that you can have quality time with a purpose and quality time without a purpose. Okay, I can hear you asking, so does this mean we need to turn every bath time, every meal time, every nappy change into quality time? Don't stress because the answer is no. This is where I find the Waldorf concept of a breathing rhythm so helpful especially when the parental guilt starts kicking in. This concept was created by Rudolf Steiner and it's used in Waldorf schools and preschools. In his words, among all the ways in which human beings relate to the external world, breathing is the most important. Of course, there is so much more to the Waldorf education philosophy and I'm not going to go into that now or try to do it justice here. I just want to talk about this single idea of a breathing rhythm because it can be very easily transferred into a home environment and provides a great framework to work within. The idea is that throughout the day there are periods of breathing in or inhaling and breathing out or exhaling. In a school setting they base this around a natural cycle of 90 minutes and usually Breathing in periods are where the children will do something with an adult, guided activities or circle times, and then the breathing out periods are where they can play independently. So how can we use this at home? Think of it as breathing in periods are when you can give your children attention, you can fill their cup. And breathing out periods are when you need to do something else and your children can do their own thing too. I'm not suggesting a 90-minute limit on either of these. How long each period lasts will depend on the age of your child, on your daily routine and plan. The idea is that for every breath out or exhale, when you do have something else to do, you can give your children a breath in or an inhale where you do something together with them. You can't keep breathing out indefinitely, can you? You need a breath in to fuel you for the breath out. Think of the breath as connection or their emotional cup. I'll give you another image to think about here. I sometimes imagine our children's cups as being slightly tilted. I'll pour love and connection in, but throughout the day it slowly drips out and needs refilling every so often. 
I sometimes use this inhale-exhale concept proactively. For example, if I know I need to do some work or I'm going out for the day or that they are going to nursery, I make sure that I spend some time with them before we separate. It could be playing, it could be reading a story. Whatever it is, it's intentional and I leave my phone on the side most of the time. The other day, Mark and I were getting ready to go out for the day. We needed to get a lot of things prepared and meals ready for the babysitter, get the children dressed, get ourselves ready, etc. At some point, I got a bit frustrated and said something like, it would be nice if you started doing something too. And he said, I am. (laughs) I'm reading with the kids. (laughs) That shut me up pretty quick. Of course, spending time with our children before we leave is equally as important as getting all the meals ready. And if you are a more organised person than me, then make a plan. Build it into your day. Reading a story and cuddling before you rush out the door dropping everyone off at school is not wasted time. Also remember, it doesn't always have to be a whole day thing. If I want to have a shower, I might read them a quick story or cuddle on the sofa for a few minutes before. Other times I use this concept to take a stock check, so to speak, of the day. If I look back on the day and realise... We rushed to get ready in the morning, then we were out shopping, then I was cooking, then I was cleaning or whatever, and I realised that I haven't spent any time with them, then I'll make sure that I set aside a bit of extra time to get ready for bed without rushing. Maybe an extra story, maybe some extra snuggles or a few extra minutes to play with them. If I can look back on the day and see that we had lots of breaths out or exhales, then I ensure that I make time for some breaths in. Now, just a reminder about screens. No judgment intended, just being aware that screen time is not a breath in. It's not quality time together. Even if we are sitting with them, we're not fully connecting. So just be aware that when you look back at your day, not to count this as connection time. Usually when I switch the screen off, there are inevitably some tears. But if I immediately follow it up with a nice deep breath in, a story, a snuggle, It eases the transition back into reality. Try it. Does that all seem more manageable? Of course, there'll be plenty of opportunities that don't fit exactly into any of these categories. Or you might feel like they overlap a few, and that's okay. We're not trying to fit things into boxes. We're using these guidelines to make our lives easier. It's really noticeable when I don't give them that quality time. I'll be trying to do something else while the kids are hanging off my legs, whining or crying. I get frustrated, they're feeling disconnected and generally it's not a great situation. Have you felt that before? Whilst if I remember to give them some attention and connection time, it can be easier. I'm not saying that they are always amazing and just go off and play on their own. (laughs) Definitely not. But I feel a bit better about it too. I have a bit of power to combat that guilt creeping in because I know that I've given them time. I know that I've filled their cup, and now I need a shower and five minutes to myself. So I'm going to say, guilt, go away. I can't say anything else, because otherwise I'd have to mark the content of this episode as explicit. (laughs) So how can we respond when our children really want something, and we can't just drop everything that second? This comes back to honestly communicating, which I talk about in episode two, and acknowledging their feelings and needs, which I talk about in episode 3. You could say something like, I know you really want me to read with you. 
I'd love to read you a story, and I will as soon as I finish cleaning the kitchen. Would you like to choose a book while you wait? Or you could say, I'd love to play with you. I'll finish work in 30 minutes and I'll be with you. I know it's hard to wait. Would you like to choose something to do while you're waiting? Try to use positive language and focus on the things you will do together rather than on the things that you can't do at the moment. It's important to know that when children don't get the connection they need, they start craving it and seeking it and asking for it. And remember, they're not going to say, Ah, Dad, listen, I've had a rough morning. I fell out with my brother. He literally ripped the elephant out of my hand. Then I tried to talk to Mum about it, but she was on her phone. Can I have your attention for a few minutes, please? No. They will say things like, Play with me, or cuddle me, or read to me. If they don't get the connection they are seeking, the cravings will just keep building up and ultimately they get into a state where any attention is better than none and we want to avoid getting into this situation. There's this image online, I don't know if you've seen it, where a young child is graffitiing on a wall and his mother and friend are sitting on a couch and she's saying, he's just doing this for attention and the words that he's spray painting on the wall are I need love. Yes, he is seeking attention. He is seeking connection. And if it gets to a point where only extreme behaviours get children the attention and connection that their whole being and body craves, that's what they will keep doing. Obviously, this is an extreme case. But what we want, what we are after, is a healthy balance. So let's quickly summarise it all. You can have quality time with a purpose. You can have quality time without a purpose. Use caregiving activities as opportunities for connection and quality time. Think about your day as having a breathing rhythm. There are times when you breathe in, you give your children time together and connection, and there are times when you breathe out, when you have to get things done and your children can either occupy themselves or join or help you. Are you ready to give it a try? Like I said at the beginning, this is going to be so different and so personal for each family. So find your rhythm, find what works for you and what your children respond to. Make your next caregiving activity quality time. Whether it's changing your baby, dressing your toddler, helping your preschooler prepare for the day, slow down and be fully present. Involve them in the process and try not to rush it. Fill their emotional cup with this intimate connection. And make a mental note throughout the day. Have you had lots of exhales? breaths out and not many inhales, breaths in? If so, make it up by doing something with your child to connect. Connect without a purpose, following their play, or make sure you connect more during the next caregiving activity. As always, if you have any questions or comments, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at Trusting Children. You can also always send me an email, Aisha at TrustingChildren.com, and let me know how it's going. That's all for this episode, and now it's time for our Everyday Heroes section. Parents are the unrecognised and underappreciated heroes of our world. We do so much important work on an everyday basis, and it needs to be talked about more. All parents are heroes, and every parent's story deserves to be heard.
Hi, everyone. So today we have Monica, who's going to share her story with us. And Monica would like to talk about her experience of parental burnout and how she got through it. She has two little girls, a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And her experiences with both girls were very different as she was in two different countries. So yeah, Monica's from Melbourne, Australia, and she currently lives in Prague. So Monica, thanks for joining us and uh, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm very nervous to be talking about my parental journey. I'm not one to um, talk about myself too much, but I'm, um, I'm, it's been an interesting experience for me to reflect on where I've been and where I am now with my two girls. So I, um, I'm from Melbourne, Australia, and I had my first daughter there six years ago, Bianca. So she um, was born in 2014, and being my first daughter, I, I remember being well, very ready to have kids, but just it took me such a long time to, I guess, birth the mother inside of me. And so I remember having a lot of um, initial anxiety around what's the right thing to do, what's the right way to parent. And yeah. being in Australia, we, we have quite a short maternity leave or parental leave. So I think I had six months off with Bianca and then I had to go back to work. I think one from a from a social perspective, I felt like I had to go back to work. Um, it was a thing to do, and two financially, we we had to. I guess it was just part of the plan. And so I remember having feelings of guilt, being at work, and she being in mm-hmm. childcare three days a week. And it took me a long time to process how do I be a mum and work and and do all the things that I wanted to do, being a parent. Yeah, and so it was, I was working part-time, which was six months, and then for some crazy reason I started a PhD um, when she was one year old, and it was a joint decision between my husband and I that we were going to focus on my career from from that moment. And I think at that time I was very excited about it, and I was like, yes, you know, we're handling it all. Bianca's at childcare. We're great parents. We're having fun. And it was time to focus on me. Mm-hmm. And I remember th- being excited but also thinking, what am I doing? You know, why <laughs> why at such a young age am I going out and doing something new when I think I hadn't settled into my parenting role yet? And I, yeah. So did you feel like you put more pressure on yourself? With on top of everything. On top of everything. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it was subconscious. I think it was a subconscious thing. And so six months into that, I started getting, I guess, irritable, frustrated all the time, teary all the time, and wasn't sure why. And so I went out and got some help, and I was diagnosed with postpartum anxiety. This is 18 months on from being a parent, and I took a step back from everything and realised, you know what, I haven't actually started the role as a mother you know I haven't yeah. yeah really invested my time into um hanging out with Bianca and 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 figuring out the priorities I wanted to do as a parent so we took I took six months off and I really started to focus on on everything and I think that whole time I did have a lot of ongoing postpartum anxiety um, issues that had started from from the birth we had a traumatic birth I had a traumatic first three months where there wasn't enough milk and all like the some troubles at the beginning had a lot of pressure on my own pressure of wanting to breastfeed and and 
having some troubles around that, then also trying to find time for, to meet the needs that I wanted to do, like getting out there and trying to do it all, you know, work and, and parent. And I think it, it took me 18 months to realise, you know what, I'm, I'm burnt out. Like I haven't, I haven't had time to, to really focus on, on me and us and our little family. It's good that you had the support and and you realize and, you know, however long it takes when you do realize that, wow, this is what, you know, you haven't dealt with all those things, like you said, after the post birth and the breastfeeding and, and, and yeah, sometimes it takes us a while to realize that that's what's going on. So it's great that you were able to, to do that. Um, And so can you compare the how you felt with your second daughter how how was that so very very different experience with Freya so in between Bianca and Freya during that time I had three miscarriages still unknown why it was three in a row had all the investigations done didn't didn't find a reason whether it was linked to my mental state or whether it was just not meant to be whatever it was so we had those experiences in between but then Freya came along and we planned to move to Prague for a while. And then when she was 10 months old, we moved. And I've been on parental leave since then. She's two and a half now. And I've just been, I think from my first experience, I've been able to take a step back and realise, you know what, they're really little for such a short time. You've got your whole life to, to tick your career goals or whatever that might be. And I've really enjoyed it. However, it has been quite interesting because coming from Australia, you have your work, you have your family and and you do this, whereas in Czech, the maternity leave, and it's quite very normal to have three years off parental leave with each child, and that was quite a shock to me because I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> being home and um, with the children, it's it's been also very, very difficult for me too. And I've had some of those same feelings coming back, the overwhelm, the irritability and the frustrations of being home in the intense, intense early yeah. early days when you know, your kids need a lot of your attention. So, but I think I'm very much better prepared. And so um, from my first experience, I guess, having that time out, I had six months off and I've been able to find some self-care strategies that work work for me, work for my family and um, and much better able to deal with stress, not just family stress or parenting stress, but stress in, in life, I think, from, from those experiences. Mm-hmm. And would you share some of those strategies? Like what do you do to help yourself? get through difficult moments? So every day I try and weave in some sort of either a proper meditation session or just deep breathe when 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 I can, when I'm feeling like things are getting stressful. So I, um, I try and meditate every day, move daily, so exercise or at least just a bit of movement every day. And I try and do it alone. And I think that's the key for me. I think I need a, quite a lot of alone time and I've recognised that. And so communicating with the girls and my husband that, all right, now it's time for mummy. Mummy's going for a walk mm-hmm. or mummy's going in to do some exercise. You know, you're safe, everything's okay, but mummy's doing this. And um, I think a communication as well, communicating with my husband and the girls yeah. setting boundaries, you know, showing them that it's important to look after yourself too. Absolutely. And also not feeling guilty about it. You've recognized that you need this time alone and you've communicated to your family, this is what you need. 
and you take it and you don't feel guilty about it. You know that you're looking after yourself so that you can then look after your family. 100%. Mum guilt is real. It's real. Yeah, I experienced the mum guilt with Bianca when I was working and now I'm experiencing the mum guilt with Freya and I'm with her 100% of the time. It's, it's you know, you, you can't win. You're going to have it either way somewhere along the line. I think letting go of certain expectations has been my big thing, I think. You know, maybe there's a bit of perfectionism in me and I've had to let go of that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for sharing your story with us. And I'm sure that there are going to be tons of parents out there who will absolutely and totally relate to what you've said and will find comfort in your words. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's all from me today. Thank you for being here and for showing up for your children. I hope this was helpful and I'll see you in the next episode. We're all in this together and we have got this.